Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's Sunday meeting. Uh, we're fortunate to have Rick as our speaker. Rick is a warm, friendly, and effortlessly <laughs> fair individual. He's a longtime Prospero student who worked at the Prospero Service Center and Rectory for seven years in the 1970s and 80s. He stayed involved with the school up until this point in time and is currently a mentor, a mentor in the school, um, doing workshops, classes, mentoring, and so on. He's also president of the board of trustees. Okay, Rick, take it away. Okay, thank you for that wonderful introduction, Ben. <laughs> Let me kind of adjust things a little bit so I can see you guys as I go through this. So yeah, so the title of my talk is Getting Over Ourselves. And um, probably like a lot of you, I've been working on this for a long time now, and um, it's still going on. And it looks like it's going to continue for the rest of my life, to be sure. Um, probably like all the rest of you, there's so many layers and so many different things that I come to understand about myself that I do need to get over that are kind of hidden beneath the surface there, you know, lurking in the shadows. And, and I meet up with one of you guys somewhere and you bring it to my attention and piss me off. And I'm like, oh, yes, I do have some work to do, don't I? <laughs> ah, yes. Hollow mirrors, as we called it back in the day, as you all remember. Um, oh, well, is that Maureen I see there? Hello, Maureen. <laughs> Good to see you again. Um, yeah, so um, let me see. I'm going to adjust this slightly since we have some pretty seasoned students in here, but um, I was thinking about all the, uh, various, the various memories that, uh, that I have from the past. And I, I, one thing, I don't know if, if this is true for all of you, but as I get older, for whatever the reason, um, I'm, I'm seeing the patterns and how they connect a little bit better than when I was 22 or 23, or, you know, I, back then it was, you know, whatever came up I worked with and I really wasn't seeing how things connect very well. But now that I've been at it for a while, I'm aware of how one pattern connects to another pattern to another pattern, and I, I see how they connect. And so it seems like it's possible to work on something and clear out multiple things at the same time, which uh, I had not really been aware of until recently, actually, about how I could see how things connect together. So I thought that was interesting in terms of getting over yourself and, and, and being able to do it. What's, what feels like maybe a little bit easier than it than when I first get getting started in this in this process. Um, I was also thinking about the the many opportunities and obstacles that we face in our, our spiritual practice or maybe it's practices. I know it is for me because I study a lot of different things uh, out there, like probably most of us are doing. And but I was thinking, how do we deepen? Or how do I deepen my commitment to my, my process of waking up, growing up, cleaning up, and being able to show up for myself and others in, in a better way? And um, I think it's a, a kind of a matter of following those subtle little threads of information, of habit patterns, and, and also bring in the concept of how can I connect those? And when I say connect, I'm, I'm really thinking about... Um, what I consider to be the feminine aspect where you are connecting in a web of relationship and love 
and that being kind of my feminine ability there, whereas the masculine ability is more of that, all right, I'm going to get on this, I'm going to work, I'm going to figure it out in my head. And so I have these two aspects, as do all of us, right, where we can work those together to get somewhere. But for me, and I can't tell you if it's because um, I was influenced highly by being a male or, or, or what, but I tend to be, you know, up here a lot of the time in my head. And so at this point, I'm trying to drop down, fill into my heart, be able to, co to connect on a loving relationship with myself and others and bring that more to bear than I ever had before. Now, um, it could be the other way around for some people. Maybe they're more inclined to be that loving relationship type and maybe the intellectual part of it just doesn't lend for them as well. So it could be the exact opposite of what I'm talking about here. And I'm not sure if I want to call those a polarity necessarily, but just um, two different energy sources that I have, two different ways to address myself that really need to come together, except I'm, I'm the one that's decided to kind of separate them out and to choose one over the other. And so I'm trying to balance things out, I guess is where I'm, where I'm going with this. Um, but that reminds me of what we might call a polarity though, because we want to be more of ourselves and less of ourselves at the same time. We want to be able to more fully embody and inhabit our own unique cosmic beingness so that we may bring our gifts to the world while also getting ourselves out of our own way and then following that path of self-transcendence and selfless service, you might say. So that really means we want to make our egos bigger and brighter and more capable than ever before, but also transparent to the inner light, to the inner true self that's trying to shine through these illusions of separation because there really is no separation there. So um, one, one question that somebody came up with that I thought was interesting is, is, is this. It says, are you trying to be the best you and is that actually ruining you? And their point about that was um, that living your, your best life so that you can self-actualize or find your destiny. Um, this contemporary message from this world um, kind of tends to make us believe that we're promised and we're entitled to the biggest and best life that life can possibly offer. But the question kind of refers to, is that actually what spiritual teachings promise? Is that even close to the message of mystics and sages and what Thane had to say? Or um, is getting over yourself a call for us to reject these hollow messages of personal prosperity and return to the humble truths of the ages? And so I guess I feel like we might want to learn how to identify the um, what might be called popular spiritual ideology in our, in our culture and have a look at them and see if, they're, if, they, if they really ring true. And for that, of course, we have some tools that we can use here in the Prosperos, uh, particularly translation. This is where that can help you in trying to determine, you know, what is it that you need to get over and, um, and it's not really just about me. And this is like a, that's something that really eats at me and I really have to work at because, you know, I'm really focused on, on myself, but there's a, a bigger picture there where as a species, it's time for us to get over ourselves so that we can move past this whole idea that the earth is ours to dominate and we get to subdue what we want to subdue. We get to dominate. We can do whatever we want with the earth, even rape it in submission if we so choose, which is what we kind of see today, right? Where it's, where we really have done some damage to planet Earth on an ecological basis, environmental basis. And um, it's, it's time to get over that sense of ourselves too. 
and perhaps we can pre prevent us from, ex you know, potentially, you know, causing our species to become extinct, which would be a pretty dramatic turn of events, wouldn't it? So um, I know for sure I've always had someone somewhat inflated notions about what I, what I as an individual can do or how I can influence something. But, you know, when you get run right down to it as an individual, that's, that's a pretty diff difficult uh, proposition. So um, there's some, some things that I want to get over. One is my notion of superiority. And then um, my notion that I get to be the boss of something or rather, hopefully it's myself and that I can actually handle that to some degree. And then um, there's the idea of uh, this idea of I'm better than somebody else or something along the notions of I'm privileged or entitled. And even in the world of spirituality, that one privilege entitlement comes up a lot, I think, because we tend to feel like just because we know something spiritually that we're entitled to to um, to have a, a better life, to be able to grow past our problems. And um, and you and I, I wonder about some of those notions about you know what we subscribe to it, but maybe we need to look at those a little bit more closely, and to, to not be so self-absorbed and, and worried about you know what personally we need to do to grow ourselves, but rather start focusing on, and on the whole idea of expanding that out to include other people, and so to be more interested in helping others than we are to help ourselves which is kind of the same thing, right? When you start to do that. But um, I sound confused because to tell you the truth, I'm not entirely sure what I mean when I say we need to get over ourselves. But I do know this, that pursuing lives of excellence is highly recommended. Being kind, compassionate, paramount. Having love, for sure. In fact, I think love is the key to all of this. So, um, I think I care about this. I wanted to read you a couple of quotes here, which I'm going to find. Oh, this is from George Bernard Shaw. And he says, this is the true joy in life, the being used for a purpose recognized by yourself as a mighty one, the being a force of nature instead of a feverish, selfish little clot of ailments and grievances complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. I am of the opinion that my life belongs to the whole community. And as long as I live it, it is my privilege to do for it whatever I can. I want to be thoroughly used up when I die. For the harder I work, the more I live. I rejoice in life for its own sake. Life is no brief candle to me. It is short of a splendid torch I've got to hold up for the moment. And I want to make it burn as brightly as possible before handing it to future generations. And as Norman Vincent Peale said, change your thoughts and you change the world. And that, of course, is exactly what the Prosperous Class Translation is about. So um, to me, this is an exploration into finding and getting over myself and helping others to do the same. And it starts, of course, with getting over just yourself and being really honest and admitting that your own ego gets in the way every single day. Um, okay, let's move forward a little bit here. By the way, you see this, this concept uh, 
in the environment and what's happening in the world today. You, we're all very familiar with what's happening in terms of Ukraine. We can see some of the roles that the United States plays in that. We can see that here in the United States, it's very divisive and it's not a, it's not a matter of people being able to listen to one another and not be concerned about what stripe are they? Are you Republican? Are you Democratic? Or are you whatever? But to just kind of get over that, which is what I think we need to do, and to just connect. And that then comes back to that whole idea I mentioned of connection and love and relationship and how important that really is versus wanting things to be your way or getting sucked into what somebody else wants but being pretty conscious and aware of who are you and, and where do you sit and how can you include others in your life and not push away and not be divisive, but be together and learn to love one another. And I think that's easier said probably than it is done. So let me pull this back up again and see if I want to bring anything else up. Yes. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about our tools, translation, release, and hidden splendor. But I wanted to bring um, to bear for you um, an interesting book that I'm reading right now by Joanna Macy, who wrote a book called World as Lover, World as Self. And she mentioned some very interesting ideas in terms of four archetypes, which I'm going to kind of talk about, maybe expand on quite a bit. But in her book, she talks about how what I just described, you know, life on our planet seems to be in trouble and it's, and it's hard to go anywhere without being confronted by the wounding of our world, the tearing of the very fabric of life. So we're, we're assaulted by the news of wildfires and hurricanes, fleeing refugees and other police murders and climate and chaos. And our planet itself is sending us singles of distress that are so continually they almost seem normal. And so we see the erosion of forests, of cropland, we see polluted air, we see toxic waters, we see the loss of half of the world's biodiversity. Um, these are all stern warning signals that we live in a world that can end, at least as a home for conscious life as we know it. This is not to say it will end, but it can. And that very possibility, I think, should, should change everything for us. It really stop us to pause and think, you know, what, what in the hell are we doing here? So there's these internal and external forces that are at work that are urging us to look away from the reality of what's happening. And it's easy to let ourselves get engulfed by distractions and mind-numbing uh, activities where we're just trying to ignore and, and not get down to work on this sort of thing. Um, in the face of what's happening, it's kind of a question of um, how do we avoid feeling overwhelmed and just giving up? And, you know, we, we just went through some, some very bad periods, starting with COVID, right, where we had to isolate, we had to wear our mask, we felt like we were constrained, restricted. That went on for a long time to the point where people were really, really tired of that. And then we're starting to get over that, although it's still hanging around. But at the same time, we have this economic crash that's going on. And so the prices are rising. People are having difficulty affording a place to live, uh, their food to eat. Um, and we see that in our world pretty dramatically. And it seems like that's on the increase. 
And so then on top of that, we had the war in Ukraine, which caused disruptions and a lot of different things, such as being able to get goods to the market, rising gas prices, and that in turn affects other prices. So the inflation rate way, way up there. And all of these kind of things that were that are in front of us are making it difficult for us to focus on what's the most important thing, which is love, relationship, connections, and not being so sucked into all of those things that make us feel like we're dragged down and we're having a hard time to breathe, to hard time to live, because there's all of these what appear to be negative things happening. So if we're going to just say we wanted to turn that around and say, so how is this, how is this a um, opportunity for us to grow? And that's where I think we need to, to take this and, and to not get s- stuck in the uh, emotional turmoil that is all around us. So Joanna Macy, she um, talks about four archetypes that I mentioned that have been around for a long time and pretty prevalent right now. And so the, the four things that she were, she brings in is um, seeing the world as a battlefield, war, seeing uh, the world as a place where we're trapped and we can't um, live the way we want to live, which is kind of what we're seeing right now, what I just described. And we have a war going on, of course, which could escalate. So those are kind of present with us right now. But then also uh, she wanted to talk about how you can see the world as a lover and how you can see the world as self, yourself. So I'm gonna try to take those in order and try to expand on them just a little bit. And then after that, I'm going to explain how we can apply the tools of translation and releasing the hidden splendor to help us in in this process. So think about the world as a battlefield now. And this is an idea of good and evil that are being pitted against one another. It's very diverse. Uh, everyone wants to have it their way. And, and if not, then you take the highway. I'm not going to accept anything you've got to say. And this way of seeing is has been reinforced by centuries of us living with war. This goes back to ancient civilizations, that idea of war and battles and one thing's a particular way and you're going to fight about it. And of course, you know, God is always on the side of each of all both of those sides, right? God is always with me. My way is right. And so um, this is a a very difficult situation, and it's very easy to feel threatened in that. Um, So let me see here. I wanted to bring in another piece to take that a little further. So um, Consider that if wars are first made in the minds of men, then the place to look for this, of course, is in the psychics of the humankind. That means look into what is going on in your mind that relates to the idea of war. And how do we let that go? Because really, this is something we need to get over as a species and move on past so that we don't have to keep living this way, the same way and repeating the same pattern over and over and over again, where um, some people say, well, there's an axis of evil, we have to destroy it. And then we play this game of uh, fighting against one another. And that of course turns out to be for profit. So then you have money and power trips coming into play. And it feels like that is never going to, to end. 
So um, the question is, how can we get anywhere with this? So one thing I can tell you, well, maybe I'll, I'll mention this. Let's talk about the architect. What is what is war here? Um, let me get to where I want to go. One of the things that uh, we can talk about archetypally um, is if we relate the idea of, of war and battles to um, astrology, for example. Um, Mars, which is uh, the Greek and Greek mythology, Ares, which is the war of, war of God, the god of war. And so there's a very um, kind of masculine energy that's, that wants to fight for what it wants. Uh, usually with war, Pluto is involved in there. And Pluto, as you may be aware, is the planet that refers to uh, death and rebirth, but also the deep, deep unconscious. So um, this is something that uh, is calling to us to, to really understand what is it about us where we want to see things as threatening and sinister and do something about that and not remember that there's always some What's the positive side of war? To me, it's um, obviously not to engage in war, but to remember that it's about connecting and coming back into your more feminine side. And I think really what we've allowed is this patriarchal society and the masculine energy to run a little bit rampant and that it to the point where it where even in history it, you know it's hard to find what was the role of feminine let's say 2000 years ago you know trying to dig that out of a book i mean you have to go through a lot to find it because the the history is written about what did the men do which was to have wars and fight about this that the other thing to get land and have money and power but if you want to know well, heck were the women doing in that then you know you're you find it's difficult for you to find it you can find it but it, it's pretty difficult but you can also look at you know what is the feminine energy like what is the divine feminine about and is the love connection and everybody knows or you and i think this is probably common for all of you you, you know that uh women are kind of the glue of the family they are the ones that are the relators the ones that nurture the ones that love and that means the males as well as the females, right? That they're the ones that nurtured, brought them up and taught them, probably taught them about morals and ethics and were really key to keeping them on the straight and narrow. However, things get a little out of whack as men get a little older. Some, some, not always though, you know, there's, if, if you read the story of Iron John or anything like that, where he's, speaks to what the role of the masculine should be, which, and which it kind of was in, in, some, in some cases where the father would be with the son and teach them probably the trade of what he was doing and also teach them how he should have a relationship, right? At one time, we, we did that a lot. And particularly back, if you go back some 200 years ago, you would see that as a common thing. So that's like a very positive influence, however, as we got moved forward in time here, you know, that kind of got lost where the men were so busy working that they didn't have time for their sons. And so then the son is kind of loose, kind of a loose cannon to kind of grow up however he's going to grow up. And 
somewhat of a mother influence young, but then not so much later. So that whole dynamic is kind of shifted. And maybe we need to get back to that where when it comes to a young male that we have a positive influence of what it is to be masculine, but also on a spiritual perspective, start bringing in, hey, you're not just masculine, you are also the feminine. So you need to see both of those sides of yourself and see how do you integrate? And I don't know, but what in a school, but the prosperous and others like it, that you can get that kind of education. But the importance of that is, is paramount and it's paramount to us getting over ourselves and finally making a connection and being able to love one another and not have to go off on, the, on a tangent. Now, the influence is particularly prevalent, I think, in the United States because our, our history takes us back to where there were some pretty warring people who wanted land, power, money, and that's kind of a trip, you know, and that's that same feeling that came from the European area is here in the United States, right? And so, and the United States is obviously big, the big cheese, as you might want to call it, on the planet, at least for the moment. And it has to, re it relates to that quite a bit. So, in our history, you know, we have actually killed off indigenous people just to take their their land. And we've been very brutal about it. So, you know, we have to be honest about that and say, okay, we need to knock this off. We need to get away from this warring. I'm going to kill you for what I want, kind of an idea and get back to bringing in that divine feminine and play with everyone. And, and I think probably it's pretty easy to see how far off we've gotten as a culture here in the United States and other places where the males are driving the show and the females are left out of it, except they're really not, but they need to come back into prominence, right? And so that's a challenge for all of us to work on, I think. And really this is what Joanna Macy is trying to bring up in, in her works. So I wanna go on to another one here if I can find the right. So much material about this that it can drive you. Particular, you know, there's an archetype that's called feeling like you're trapped. And that is something I think we can all relate to because probably during the pandemic, you did feel like you were trapped and you didn't know what you could do. You didn't, weren't able to get out of the world like you were used to. And so you're kind of stuck in your own environment. And so you're aware of that. Now that we're coming out of it, you've got other things that are making you feel trapped. Like maybe you don't have enough money at the moment. Maybe you don't know what things will be like in the future because you don't have the, the basic needs. Your basic needs are not being met like they used to be. And you don't know what's gonna happen. So you feel a little bit trapped in that. It's like, well, what are we gonna do going forward, right? So that particular archetype is another one that we need to figure out how are we gonna clear this out? Um, so um, that's an archetype. And then another archetype that she brings up back here is getting a little more to the point because another viewpoint that you can take about what's going on here is to see the world as lover. And that means pretty much exactly what it says. The lover out of boundless love takes the form of the beloved. What beauty explanation mark both are made of the same nectar and share the same food. Under the supreme love, they swallow each other up, but separate again for the joy to 
The entire universe is too small to contain them, yet they live happily in the tiniest, tiniest particle. This view of the world as lover occurs in religious metaphor. You know, we see that quite a bit. Um, one woman said something. Uh, traumatic experiences and we're starting to get over it and she started to look around herself and what she said was that I learned to move in the world as if it were my lover. Now that to me is a pretty powerful statement for anybody to make because you're saying that it's not just about me I'm getting over myself I'm seeing my whole world which could be planet earth be greater than that right it could be the whole cosmos too and we say world doesn't necessarily mean planet earth or there are our particular solar system which reminds me you know i was talking to um sarah yesterday when we were talking uh something that occurred so long ago that it's hard to even fathom what how how long ago it was yet here it is right now in the present for us right you can see that and so we were talking about, well, what would it be like if we found some way to communicate um, with life way, way back in what we're calling, quote unquote, the past, right here and now, and to talk to somebody that, that presumably lived millions of years before this, but actually be able to do it right here, in, right here, right now, or on the other side of the coin, somebody from the future talking to us here and now, it would seem like time itself is a little bit different perhaps at least that's what opened me up to the idea it's a little bit different than what i was thinking and how is all about being here and now which of course is what is talked about a lot in spiritual schools right of being here now present in the prosperous the same thing being here now and present and um and how important that was is what we came to with that how important it is to be here now present and not let uh, not let yourself get dragged down by what you call your past. The past, in a lot of cases, is something that we need to we need to move away from and to to let go of. So, for example, let's say you have uh, a negative experience as a child that you remember, and and it was traumatic, and you feel the trauma over and over again until. You learn a spiritual discipline of some sort, such what we teach here in the Prosperos, and you learn how to let that go and open up to what happens when you let something go fully and completely. And that is what we do with releasing the hidden splendor and translation. So really the question is, how do we wake up to that? Well, you change your viewpoint to find the solution or open up to a greater sense of yourself to so instead of being the skin enclosed individual, you start to recognize that you came from a great many sources in terms of your family line. And even before that, assuming evolving from planet Earth, who's kind of like your mother. And if you start to see that and see that the Earth itself was birthed by something larger than that, then from even from a physical perspective, you can start to see that things are much bigger and that you are much bigger than just your individual self. So that's what we're talking about as far as how do I wake myself up and be able to see, kind of see the light at the end of the, the tunnel. So um, in that regard, we talk about translation. So we want to go beyond just 
little sense of self to an expanded sense of self. Uh, what Thane said about that is this is the glorification of the universe that depends on man's expansion of its consciousness. Man is the God maker and the use of his mind. It's a change of a worldview, meaning that your concepts, your perceptions, your idea of who am I, what is myself, changes your worldview. So we need lessons like translation so that we can intelligently manage our power and not fall into the stories or memories or negative emotions from the past that keep us locked in um, childish behavior. So understanding our identity as mind unfolding or infinite consciousness being conscious or infinite beingness being all there is, this is directly where we must seek and understand ourselves. It's time to straighten out our thinking and see the truth for what it really is. Really go after the pursuit of truth in our current state of world affairs and start utilizing the natural reasoning factors of mind that we all possess and strive to be all that we truly are and always have been. In terms of consciousness, you can only be aware of that which you are conscious of right now in this moment in time, of your world, your universe, your mind, consciousness, understanding that everything is in consciousness and that you're conscious of what you're thinking. This takes practice though, right? I mean, a lot of times we're, this is what I'm, we're talking about waking up and a lot of times we're asleep to that and we're just kind of mindlessly moving through our day, doing what we need to do and not really trying to make ourselves aware that, hey, I'm conscious, I'm here, I'm present, I'm mindful, ontologically speaking, I'm here, I'm being, I'm thinking. So we need to practice. In our case, we practice translation using our ability to think and proving your presence of mind. The very fact that you're capable of thinking proves that you are the presence of mind and you are the presence of mind in spite of yourself. Thought is spontaneous and we don't know where that comes from and we can't stop it. I think it's said that you think somewhere in the, in the neighborhood of thousands of thoughts in just a few minutes. Probably not totally aware of all of them, but the fact that you have a thought process going on all the time in a continuous stream, it's kind of a spontaneous and it's important, important to remember that. Um, awareness is thinking and therefore you are thinking all the time and that that is in fact spontaneous. You don't have to try, it just is happening. So the idea that there are thoughts flowing through your mind in, is giving you an idea that perhaps all things are thoughts. So for example, someone thought they made a chair as an example of things being thoughts. So first somebody had to think up the idea of what is the purpose of a chair, sit down, okay. So then they made one, but that came out of them thinking about it and deciding that it was necessary and that it would be a good idea. So for you to be here, it takes a conscious existence on your part. Practice, practice translation. Remember all things are thoughts. And there's a self-evident principle here that you are conscious and it's hard for you to deny that. If you were to say, um, to say instead of the word conscious, we use the word thought or thinking. Well, you, you know that you can think and you know that 
you're going to doubt it, you're going to rename this I, whatever you see it as, which is your conscious idea of what is your existence. So you, you, if you're going to doubt it, you need your consciousness to doubt it. So you can then see, okay, I'm conscious and be clear about that. So when we're talking about the world as lover and the world of self, this is one way where you can come to that sense of identity about yourself. And then when it comes to dealing with your past memories, you can translate them, but releasing the hidden splendor is another avenue where you can look back at your past memories and recognize they're not past, but they're present right now, and that you can recall and remember, and you don't have to travel back into the past. It's all right here, right now. You can do it right at the moment. It seemed like it happened in the past, but it's right here, it's right now. It's kind of immediate. So we want to work with the memories that are holding us back or that we need to get over. And, and um, realize that our past is our future unless we resolve it. The past and the present takes any situation and replace it as it was in the past. So if we consciously penetrate this and understand that and learn how to let go, which is what we do in releasing the head of splendor, let go of those memories that are bothering us that have come to be an obstacle for us and to get over them, then we're able to move into a new future where we're not holding on to that anymore. All right. Let's see here. So in releasing into splendor, it's not enough to just remember your past, but you want to relive it. Feel all there is about it and let it go and then refile it. So this is about um, looking at your patterns and the way your life has played out and how you keep repeating patterns over and over again and realizing that those patterns are something that we can actually let go of and, and then live a new different kind of a life where we're not tied to the past anymore, which is what we're trying to get over, and um, how we can break out chunks of the past and never repeat those chunks again. Translation also paramount to understanding who and what we are, a new understanding. And I would say that all of this takes practice, translation, RHS. If, if you've taken the class, then it's something you want to share your practice. It's probably good to practice in groups. And the reason I say that is when you're by yourself trying to figure out what is it about me that I need to work on, uh, you, you'll have some ideas about it. But if you get in a group and you're around other people who will spark you with ideas or maybe punch your buttons, you know, get your emotions riled up because you don't like maybe something that they said, then that represents something that you have to work with. And so you need other people to help you understand yourself and vice versa. So doing this in group work or talking about it, perhaps as we are today, is incredibly important for all of us. Because um, without that, there's no way to really get over yourselves. And so um, getting back to the idea of the divine feminine 
and how we connect and how we can bring love to the picture and not just be too intellectual and staying in a, um, a masculine patriarchal kind of environment, but having both of those energies. But I think most importantly at this time in, in the world, that connection of love and relationship is probably the most important thing that we could that we could give to the to our children for them to carry forth in, in the new world to finally let go of our war in nature and encourage others to do the same and to work with as many people as we can to spread this idea this message of hey let's work together let's just knock off this divisiveness let's really connect and love one another so there is a song that we play quite frequently in the Prospero that expresses this quite well. And this is a big part of the Prosperos. Um, sometimes um, if you're listening to a translation class, there's some headiness here and there with that, but then you'll hear this particular song come in to show you that divine feminine side. And I don't know if we express it well enough to say how important that is, but it's really, Really, it's everything in order for us to move forward and live a new and different life where we see the world as our lover, as our partner, as our part of our very core beingness, where we are totally connected to everything and everything is us. your 
right. Thank you, everybody. Okay, everyone. Aloha. Hello. See you next time.